This is Generation Justice, a multiracial project that trains youth to harness the power of community through media, narrative, and critical consciousness. I'm Zan Dixon. And I'm Barbara Ramirez. We want to remind you that this program broadcasts from the rightful lands of the Tiwa people. Have you heard about food insecurity in New Mexico? Tonight, we learn from Kendall Chavez, Koski Suzuki, and Francesca Alexander from the office of Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham. A share about food insecurity in New Mexico, the importance of a cultural and traditional approach to food, and more. You'll also hear our weekly vaccine equity segment in the community calendar, so stay tuned. We have some great music selections, including songs especially chosen by our guests. First up, we've got Sueño en Paraguay by Chancha Via Circuito, chosen by Kendall Chavez. The New Mexico Food, Farm, and Hunger Initiative works to address and reform food systems and reduce hunger in New Mexico. Tonight, from the Office of Governor Michelle Luham Grisham, we speak with Kendall Chavez, the Food and Hunger Coordinator. Kaski Suzuki, the Food Security Coordinator at the Human Services Department. And Francesca Alexander, the Food Security Coordinator of the New Mexico Early Childhood Education and Care Department. Our interviewer this evening is Leader for Change fellow Adriana Cordova. We hope you enjoy this informational GJ interview. This is Adriana Cordova with Generation Justice, and I am speaking with Kendall Chavez, the Food and Hunger Coordinator for the Office of Governor Michelle Lujan Christian. We are also joined by Food Security Coordinators Kazuki Suzuki and Francesca Alexander. Welcome to Generation Justice. Thanks, Adriana. Hi, Adi. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much, Adi. Uh, please tell us more about yourselves. Uh, Kendall, why don't we start with you? Yeah, thanks again for the opportunity to, to have this conversation with you, Adi. It's been about, um, you know, 10, 8 to 10 months since we spoke last time, and so looking forward to the conversation. Um, my name is Kendall Chavez. Um, I actually grew up near Fresno in the Central Valley of California, um, one of the most agriculturally robust areas of the country that has, you know, the super high poverty, super high food insecurity, and, and some of the just the, the major issues that we see in our food systems work here in New Mexico as well. Um, I've had the um, honor of being here and doing food systems, food policy, food education work in the state for all over 10 years. I actually hit my 11 year mark about a month ago. Um, and now I'm working in the governor's office, helping lead our food initiative, which is our broader food systems initiative that's really looking at uh, access around food, supporting our local farmers and agriculturalists, and then building the system around that to make sure that our system is really functioning for, for all New Mexicans. So thanks for having me. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you so much to, to you, Adi, and to Generation Justice for having me on. Um, I'm, my name is Koski Suzuki. Um, I was born and raised in Gallup, New Mexico. I moved up to Albuquerque to go to school at the University of New Mexico. 
Um, there, I studied political science, and then following graduation, I actually started working with a small nonprofit called the New Mexico School Time Network, where I focused a lot on um, outreach for a federal nutrition program called the Child and Adult Care Food Program. Um, I did that for a couple of years and then did a year with Roadrunner Food Bank. I helped with their Healthy Food Center, which is an on-site food pantry for for folks who are struggling with food insecurity as well as chronic health issues. So this whole kind of professional and personal history, you know, reflecting on where I'm from has had a huge impact on where I'm at now. And and yeah, it, it, it's great to be here. I'm excited for the conversation. Um, thank you so much for having us here today. Hi, everyone. My name is Francesca Alexander. Um, I'm the new food security coordinator for the New Mexico Early Childhood Education and Care Department, or ECECD. I was born and raised in Cleveland, New Mexico. Uh, went to school at the University of New Mexico for my undergraduate degree and got a degree in biology and psychology. Went on to work many healthcare roles. Um, most recently, I helped increase access to reproductive healthcare in New Mexico, then have kind of shifted jobs to better fit my passions of increasing food security to give a little better perspective of the small town in northeastern New Mexico where I grew up, Cleveland, New Mexico. It's a small village of many that lies within uh, the beautiful Mora Valley. The rugged Sangre de Cristo Mountains in the western portion of our community gradually levels off to a high prairie or valley sitting over 7,000 feet of elevation where farmers and ranchers have lived for many generations. Here I grew up with my parents and sister across a two-lane highway from my grandpa's farm for, for 18 years aspects of farm life, which ended a few years after my grandpa's death. And so as an adult, I most certainly enjoy knowing where my food comes from. So with that, I want others in our state to have access to healthy, fresh food and not necessarily rely on processed snacks from the grocery stores, you know. My hometown's only grocery store closed probably around a decade ago. And now that the town relies on a food co-op, which was started by local farmers and ranchers, um, it makes me think about other small communities across New Mexico that are also food insecure. Um, that's why the work of food security is important to me. Thank you guys so much for sharing. Um, Kendall, it's great to see you again. And Kaski and Francesca, I'm so glad to be meeting you. And I'm glad all three of you are here. Help us understand food insecurity in New Mexico. Adi, as you know, food security work is, is super complex. Uh, so when we look at food insecurity data-wise, there's, there's varying opinions on how to measure food insecurity, on how to measure and define hunger. But really, when people talk about food insecurity, when you hear that data point of New Mexico being 49th or 50th in, in um, child food insecurity or adult food insecurity or senior food insecurity, those measures are really based on poverty, unemployment, home ownership, um, and then a handful of other demographic questions that the researchers are looking for on an annual basis. So what we're constantly thinking about here is, um, A, we know that there is massive need in the state and, and many states in the country, and, and that need is higher in, play, in tribal communities and places that are remote. 
and isolated and disconnected from the main, you know, I-25, I-40 corridor or the Rio Grande, right? And Francesca mentioned, you know, challenges or assets in her own community around co-ops and grocery stores and basic infrastructure that New Mexicans need to access food. We also know that New Mexico is unique in a lot of ways when you look at um, poverty, you know, defining poverty and what that means and home ownership. And whether that really reflects uh, the sort of like realities in the state around certain communities not owning homes, right, or being land rich and cash poor. And so it's a complicated, um, it's a complicated thing to define and measure. So I did just want to say that up front that we're constantly grappling with. When I think about food insecurity, I think about the system as a whole, right? And there's many systems that come together to result in people not having access to food. Um, the work that we're doing, uh, the you know, the big we, Cosky, Francesca, our other colleagues and our partners across the state is really trying to piece this super isolated system, piece it, glue it back together, improve it and really make it work for anybody in the state, no matter, again, how isolated they are, no matter how high in elevation that their house is, um, or no matter how they are, how far they are out on the res, just making sure that all of those individuals have access to the basic, basic things that they need to survive, and also keeping a pretty um, keen eye on quality. And so when we think about food secure, insecurity or food security, we're really thinking about nutrition security and looking at um, not only is access there, but is the food high quality, and both my colleagues mentioned this, high quality, reflective of place, and is it what that community actually wants and needs? And so it is it is a very complex, nebulous concept and you know something, again, that we're, we're grappling to define progress and measurement here in our office and across state government. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, Kasky or Francesca, do you guys have anything to add? I think Kendall brought up a really good point that I would just like to expand upon a little bit. When when we talk about food insecurity, it, it's not siloed, right? Um, like food insecurity just doesn't happen. You know, like like Kendall mentioned, there there are these systems, um, whether that be you know historical policies, um, looking at the community where I'm from, Gallup, New Mexico, federal policies that have exacerbated the presence of food insecurity in in that particular area, along with other tribal areas, other rural areas. Areas. Um, I think it is so important when we talk about food insecurity to look at it from that viewpoint that Kendall mentioned, very pulled back, looking at the issue as a whole. You know, so what are the intersections that kind of cross, you know, with food insecurity and the issues that food insecure folks face? You know, like most of the time, folks who are struggling with food insecurity are struggling with health issues. Those are so intertwined. And so in order to, you know, holistically and address the issue, um, I think it's important to really look at the root causes and the connections and like how Kendall mentioned, you know, piecing those together and figuring out solutions from a much broader perspective, which is, I think, so cool about this new work that me, Francesca, and our other colleagues in the other departments are going to be taking on. Um, our, our role is going to be, you know, connecting the agencies. Each agency does different things. They have different roles. And so we have a really unique opportunity to be able to start connecting those dots, utilizing resources that exist within these departments, um, the expertise that comes with that in order to tackle this very complex issue that so many folks in New Mexico are struggling with today. Aviana, if I can add a few more things that come to mind um, that I'm just thinking about as Koski was speaking, I think the one thing that we, I think is an underlying value of the work, and you heard it in, in the introductions that were made by my colleagues, is that we really do have the belief that we can feed ourselves. We have the belief that we can take a more assertive role in um, you know, utilizing the resources that come from the federal government, utilizing resources that come from our external partners and our food banks and other private, private partners 
but that the state really does have a role in making sure and improving the systems again so that we're getting the highest quality product um, and resource and access to all, all everybody in the state. And that is an underlying belief that I just want to make sure is really clear and the reason um, and the and the sort of power that holds all the, our work together here in the governor's office and across the executive. And the other thing um, is that, to be frank, you know, the market has failed a lot of communities in New Mexico because our communities are so small. Um, you won't see a grocery store or a co-op or a market sort of an intervention for food security in a lot of our communities because private industry just won't make money off of it, right? And so that's the other, I think, value and purpose that we really hold tight in this work is that there is a place um, for state government. There's not always a place for state government at the same time, but where there is opportunity for the state to lead, we should be leading, uh, which is why this work is, is so exciting. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for expanding on, um, on food insecurity. Um, I think it's so important to just remember that uh, people really need to take a look at this um, from a broader perspective, you know, just take a look at it from the bigger picture and just understand that there are so many factors um, and players involved. Um, Kendall, please tell us more about your work and the Food, Farm, and Hunger Initiative and the Food, Farm, and Hunger Report. Um, give us an update on this exciting work. Yeah, happy to do that. So when we spoke back in February, we were uh, about 10 to 12 months into the initial planning process that we did around the Food Initiative, which is the new name and the new rebrand for the Food, Farm, and Hunger Initiative. It's just simplified uh, we worked, Adi, as we talked about um, back in February, we worked with hundreds of people for thousands of hours all over the state over Zoom to craft this framework or a pathway forward for, again, state government to really lead where appropriate on fixing uh, our perennial issues around our food systems here in the state. So we happy to report, I think last time we spoke, Adi, we were in the middle of the legislative session. And so now, um, you know, months later, we did secure just under 25 million for all the programs we spoke about. So funding for food banks, um, funding to improve school meals, senior meals, preschool meals, funding for farmers to take care of soil and land, uh, funding for, you know, for SNAP participants to get double their food bucks at the farmer's market or farm stands for New Mexico products. So investing money in a number of tried and true programs and also new programs. So we rolled out this thing that is the food security infrastructure grant which is $10 million for really basic and exciting infrastructure all over the state. So things like trucks, um, refrigerated trucks for farming cooperatives or a mobile grocery store for a food bank to implement up in the Northern part of the state where people can literally walk into the store and shop from refrigerated coolers, local food, commodity food, and come out as if they were at an actual grocery store. So we're really excited to get that program off the ground and we're fully in implementation mode right now. And we're also, orienting ourselves to the next legislative session. So planning and preparing for the our, our 60 day session um, starting in January. And so some really big, exciting, innovative ideas, again, that came from this framework, this community participatory process that we led last year. And we will be focusing on um, you know things like senior SNAP, um, expanding access to school meals, getting more money for kitchen infrastructure and training for the people that are cooking for kids and seniors and little ones so that they can do fresh and scratch and really focus more on fruits and vegetables, looking for more support for our tribal partners as core, core um, you know, thought partners and, and stakeholders in this work. And so funding for tribes to do food security work and also more support for our farmers to grow more food for the New Mexicans that need it most. And so look forward to coming back Adi, at a later time to giving you another briefing on um, you know, the successes that we had from the, the upcoming session. 
We are also getting inching closer to the release of this. I think last time we spoke, we called it a strategic plan. It's now a framework. It's a policy framework to keep our work structured and moving in the right direction. We're also developing a website and a public facing dashboard. So once that stuff is finalized, we'll make sure um, either you and your colleagues have access to that and maybe you can help us get the word out. Awesome, that's so awesome. I'm so glad to hear all these great updates. Koski Suzuki and Francesca Alexander, you've just joined the Food and Hunger Initiative out of the governor's office. Tell us more about your background's interest in food security. Adi, this is Koski. Well, geez, well, well, I think I've always had a really deep connection to food. I come from a large, you know, very proud Chicano family. And, and for us, you know, food, food is everything. It's, it's sustenance. It's, you know, the process in and of itself of making the food was and, and still is to this day, you know, like a source of joy, resiliency sharing space, connecting, telling stories, passing knowledge, and reflecting, I think, some of my fondest memories as a child were, you know, during wintertime when my grandmother, my mother, my mother's sisters, my aunties, um, and their children, you know, we would all get together and, and make tamales. And and it, it was just like a really, you know, joyful time. So, 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 so food has always just been very important to me. Regarding food security, you know, I grew up on WIC and SNAP. I was on SNAP even while getting my graduate degree as well. So there's that lived experience part of it. But I think what really opened my eyes um, to food insecurity issues, food apartheid issues, um, was of course during my undergraduate years. Class on poverty and, and race and kind of that intersection. It's where I was first introduced to the term food desert. Um, obviously, you know, I think there's a lot of debate around this term. It's, is, is it food desert? Is it food swamp, food apartheid? I, I personally, you know, prefer the term food apartheid because I think it shifts us from that, you know, like solely deficit mindset, looking at like communities as like lacking to one of, you know, honoring and elevating work that is currently being done. And at the same time, you know, analyzing those root causes and, you know, systemic issues of hunger and the inequities that exist as a product, you know, of of those systems. So yeah, uh, which which I think is something I Kendall and the governor's office is doing extremely well um, with this new food initiative, which makes me, you know, really, really, really excited for this work. But anyway, yeah, once I learned this concept, it was like, like, like a gate opened, you know, I was born and raised in Gallup, like I mentioned earlier. And as many folks probably know, Gallup has a majority indigenous population with a lot of very rural households, a very deep, deep, you know, colonial history. So, you know, learning about these issues and overlaying that memories from, from my community was very eye-opening for me and has kind of led me on this current journey of doing this kind of work that I'm on now. Thanks, Adi. I'll say, I'll start by saying I attribute my love of the land and food security and food sovereignty to my parents and grandparents, specifically my late grandfather, Feliciano Herrera. I saw the amount of work that goes into growing small crops, the uncertainty from year to year for farmers. I learned the importance of having access to fresh, culturally meaningful foods and being able to live off the land. From growing vegetables in our fields to hunting in our nearby forests, I began hunting with my dad as a teenager, and so as an adult, I most certainly enjoy knowing where my food comes from. So that's kind of why um, I've had a real interest in increasing access to food um, and food security for New Mexicans. Thank you guys so much for sharing your passion for this work. And what do you guys uh, hope to gain from this opportunity working with the governor's office? 
Adi, this is this is Koski. I I think for for me personally, I think it all comes back to community to to my New Mexican community to to you. I I know Adi, you mentioned that you're you're in college, and I I feel like a you know it, it's it's funny sometimes when people when people are like, oh yeah, in college you just eat you eat ramen, and that's what you do. And you know, as someone who was actually receiving you know food sounds so I'm like I didn't want to eat ramen all the time you know that's that's an actual reality for a lot of folks so I think for me you know it comes back to to my community I've been in New Mexico my whole life you know I went to UNM the university near mom just as you know anyone who has lived in the same state their whole life you know I've flirted now and again with the idea of relocating but for me that, that's never really been a serious thing I've always known that that this is going to be the place you know like where, where I die I, I love New Mexico you know I am I'm, if I'm going to make a change, I want to make the change here for, for my community. So I saw a job posting, it was probably like May, May or June, and it was for this position. And I thought it was just like perfect. You know, it was kind of everything that I had dreamt about doing um, for my community. So for a little background information, prior to prior to getting this job, you know, I, I had I was familiar with the work that the governor's office was doing. And I really admired the work that the governor was doing, especially as it related to food security. You know, I, I was getting like the email notifications from different news outlets and stuff. And I was like, this is pretty cool. This is like some rad stuff. And, and I think that's kind of one really cool thing that's come out of the pandemic. I know how, and I think that's kind of odd to say, but I think the pandemic has really shown a light on food insecurity in a way that the national, the, the public just has never really thought about it before. And I think it's really front and center right now. And me personally, I'm very interested, like I mentioned earlier, about that intersection of hunger and health. And at the end of the day, you know, a lot of the health issues New Mexicans are facing are a byproduct of food or lack of access to healthy and affordable foods, um, like Kendall mentioned earlier. So, so I see my current role as a food, food security coordinator working with HSD and alongside Kendall and Francesca and our other colleagues in other state departments as an opportunity, you know, in expanding um, equitable health equitable health outcomes um, for for my neighbors and my New Mexican community in general. Uh, thank you for sharing. Um, Francesca, what about you? Yeah, so I saw this as a great opportunity to you know, help New Mexicans access more food. I chose to do this work to help increase access to locally grown foods, specifically for young children in New Mexico, but I can also see myself with the Food Initiative cohort um, working in other agencies to promote this work um, throughout the state and creating connections between preschools and farmers and ranchers who supply New Mexico's locally sourced foods. Um, I think it's important to support our local communities and it also gives children the opportunity to possibly learn what their local foods are. Um, they don't necessarily know what is being grown right next door and what their local farmer does in order to grow that specific food item. So I really believe it can make a difference for future generations and I'm really excited to see what work we can get done. And what are your visions for this important work? Well, working in a, a state position is super new to me. So for one, I'm, I'm really excited just to learn about, about state government and 
all the the acronyms you know that come with state agencies that's been a really a, a fun experience but um in in all seriousness i'm i'm really excited you know to learn from my colleagues at hsd you know i've been i've only been working for about three weeks but i've met some incredible people doing incredible work um whether that be you know with tfap or um, CSFP, which is um, a senior feeding program. Um, I'm also excited to learn learn from Kendall and and the governor's office to learn from you know Francesca um, and the experience that she has and the knowledge that she brings. Um, uh, and I'm also excited to learn from our other two food security um, cohort members. Um, we, I think we've been referencing them, but there's Duncan who works in aging and long-term services, and then Aaron who's with the economic development department. Um, so excited for that kind of, you know, that thought partnership. Um, all these people, you know, bring their own similar passions to this work and they all come, you know, with their own wealth of knowledge and expertise. And that's what I'm super stoked about. Um, in addition to, you know, the, the part where we, we get to kind of implement change as it relates to food security. I think in terms of what, what I'm hoping to gain from this position would be, you know, this wealth of knowledge that's in the state and that, you know, it's important for us to, you know, share and collaborate and, and build on what's been done because there's so many cool things being done in the state right now. And um, I think that's one really cool thing about this food initiative is that it's it's working to, you know, utilize existing resources and programs and um, expertise and then build on that. Um, so that's that's what I'm really exciting excited about um, with the work that uh, I get to do with um, Kendall and the governor's office. Yeah, this is Francesca. Um, my vision kind of replicates what Koski just covered um, is to partner with the food initiative cohort and other key stakeholders um, and other agencies within the state of New Mexico um, to reduce food insecurity and provide equitable access to locally, culturally meaningful foods. Uh, Francesca, thank you so much for sharing. Um, Kendall, how has the COVID-19 pandemic impacted food insecurity in New Mexico? So I wanna build off of what my colleagues have already shared, both Koski and Francesca, um, about their experiences from their communities and. I think for me, what, again, as what's already been stated, the pandemic, the only silver lining, right? There's very few silver linings to this global experience that we've all gone through together, um, is that we can, we can, we can try and get, you know, a thousand pounds of food to a community. We can do our best to get as much food as possible to a community. But if there's not basic infrastructure there to receive the food, things like forklifts and coolers and buildings, and if there's not people there to help receive the food and get that food to community and to help, you know, teach and learn with community around what, what you do with a thousand pounds of kale, as an example, or a thousand pounds of tomatoes in a community that may not like tomatoes, um, our, our efforts are sort of moot. Um, so I think we think a lot about infrastructure. So hard infrastructure, again, things like cold storage and transportation, the people to hold these programs together. I think for me, one thing that's really became crystal clear over the last few years is that we need more young people who are in this place, from this place, love this place, who are gonna lead this work and take it into the future. 
I know from working with the food banks alone, you know, we had this sort of um, this food bank infrastructure and Koski may be able to speak to this more. That's really based on volunteers, all of whom are very old um, and who are no longer able to help again, hold that infrastructure together to receive and to get food to the people that need it. And then as Koski mentioned, um, you know, what we also learned over the last few years is that that collaboration piece is really, really critical. So the state has to, has to, and has a responsibility to work alongside local government, tribal governments, um, community partners, nonprofits, because it really does take an all hands on deck approach or a, a whole, you know, the whole, the saying of it takes a village to raise a child. Like it really does take all different types of people and partners working together to address these really perennial and deep systems challenges we have around around food and so I think for me and and the work that keeps me really what keeps me really focused in this work um, are, are those those three things that I just mentioned as well as the system has never worked for people for most people some people um, definitely didn't work for people during COVID and we have to take those learnings and crystallize them and improve them and so the first thing that comes to mind for me there is this idea of remote and mobile and meeting people where they're at. So we can put a grocery store, sure, in any rural community, but if it's, as Francesca mentioned, 60 plus miles from where people live, that's not necessarily a great solution, right? For in a community that's potentially experiencing poverty, may not have access to transportation, um, and also may not be the right foods that that community wants. And so that mobile, remote, again, meeting people where they're at concept and value is, is the other piece that I really hold tight um, as we enter into the next phase of, of our food systems work. Thank you so much for sharing. I um, absolutely think it's important to just take a look at this uh, from the perspective of everything that's gone on over the past couple of years. Um, please tell us how the community can be involved with the initiative and where they can find more information about the Food Farm and Hunger Initiative and Report. So Avi, we, we will definitely, when we have a final website and the framework, we will get absolutely get that to you and, and hopefully you can share that with your listeners. Um, I think for the time being, we're going to do our best to get this work out into the news, into the media, and give as many presentations as possible to our, le our legislators and decision makers um, and appropriators here in the state. So I would just say stay tuned. Um, unfortunately, I don't have a website to direct people to in this moment, but we will very soon and we'll make sure that you all get that information. And again, you know, if people feel strongly about food systems and local ag and hunger and want to get involved, there's plenty of opportunity and need for volunteers and for people to work in this in this system, all the way from serving school meals to working at food banks. Um, to you know, working with a local farm or with a ranch, there there is massive need for workforce in general in this. You know, just looking at our food systems work, and so I would invite people to come and support and help. And we are always open. You know, Adi, as I mentioned in the last conversation, to suggestions and concerns or things that our that our fellow New Mexicans want to share with us in the governor's office and with our state agency partners. And so, um, more to come. I'll be sure to stay tuned. Um, is there anything else anyone uh, would like to add? Ali, this is this is Koski. I think one one last thing I would just like to add, um, and it's more of just a comment. Uh, I I would I would like to just commend you and Generation Justice and organizations like this um, that are taking the time to to speak speak about, learn about, and then also elevate. Um, these issues, because I think I think that's in, in addition to you know like on on the ground work that 
you know, food banks, farms, schools are doing to address this issue. Um, th this type of platform is also important. You know, the, the word has to get out. Um, uh, that that sharing um, is super important. So I just wanna, wanna thank you for everything that you do and the work that you do. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been a, a a great conversation with you. Thank you so much. So glad to be able to learn something new. Um, there wasn't a whole lot that I knew about this subject uh, before sitting down and having these types of conversations. Um, so I'm always glad to just know um, more about what's going on, you know, in our state, but also nationwide. So thank you guys for coming in and being able to speak about this with me. Thank you again for interviewing us and having us on your show today. I'm glad to be here. Thank you, Food and Hunger Coordinator Kendall Chavez and Food Security Coordinators Kakaski Suzuki and Francesca Alexander um, for coming here today and just enlightening me and all our listeners about um, food insecurity and the intersections um, and how that has to do with um, different aspects of people's lives, such as um, socioeconomic spheres, um, different um, communities around the state. Um, and how important it is to make sure that everyone not only gets um, the food that they need, but the nutrition that they need. Um, thank you guys so much for sharing that with me, for sharing that with our community. Um, I hope everything goes super well with um, the work that you guys are doing um, going into the future. Um, and yeah, thank you guys so much for just being here today. Uh, for Generation Justice, I'm Ariana Cordova. Thank you, Kendall, Koski, and Francesca for sharing with GJ about the importance of food security in New Mexico and for all the work you do for the people, especially the youth of this state. Thank you, Kendall, Koski, and Francesca. The work you do is admirable and essential in our community. The next two songs were selected by our guest. Here is Bread and Water by New Mexico native Ryan Bingham, chosen by our guest Francesca Alexander, followed by Another Life by Nella Freyanya, chosen by our guest, Koski Suzuki. Face. Let you walk away, I can't watch 
Welcome back to Generation Justice. It's time to share some important community events coming up. That's right, Barbara. The first event we have to share with you is the Indigenous Housing Justice Summit. Can you give us some more information on that? Well, Zan, the event is led by the Office of Native American Affairs to plan and work towards housing equity in New Mexico for Native Americans. It will take place on Tuesday, October 11th from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Lower West Complex of the Convention Center. For more information, contact Don Begay at dgbegay at cabq.gov or look it up on the City of Albuquerque website. Tomorrow, Monday, October 10, Generation Justice will broadcast a Facebook Live panel. Zen, what's the panel discussion on and who are the panelists? It's about the importance of voting and we'll learn from Leila Salem from Ole, New Mexico and Mason Graham, the policy analyst and project lead for New Mexico Black Voters Collaborative. So everyone, make sure to tune in. For more information, visit Generation Justice on Facebook. We have one more community event, and that is the Brunch in the Park, hosted by Transgender Resource Center New Mexico and the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network. The brunch will take place at Roosevelt Park on Saturday, October 15th at 11 a.m. The main purpose of this event is to spread love, strengthen community bonds for trans students, and spread awareness on the issues they face. For more information, contact TGRCNM on Facebook. That's it for a community calendar. Now we bring you City on the Hill by Van Dyke Parks. Are you ready for vaccine equity? This is an important reminder that you might qualify for the bivalent booster, better known as the Omicron booster shot. That's right, the bivalent booster specifically targets Omicron variant, and it is now available for those 18 and older as a booster shot that can be received after the primary mRNA doses. Remember, this Omicron bivalent dose is a booster shot, so make sure you get your primary dose to be eligible for the Omicron booster. If you need to get up to date with your vaccination, visit vaccinenm.org and schedule your appointment now. Masks are still shown to reduce the risk of contracting and transmitting COVID-19. 
Visit cdc.gov for more information on adequate masks and mask up New Mexico. That's it for our vaccine equity segment. Please stay safe and look out for our community. Now we'll listen to Ham and Eggs by A Tribe Called Quest. Chica. We hope you've enjoyed this hour of community action. We'd like to thank the New Mexico Food Farm and Hunger Initiative, Kendall Chavez, Kaski Suzuki, and Francesca Alexander for helping us gain critical knowledge about addressing food insecurity in New Mexico. Tonight's Hour of Radio was produced by Roberta Rael and Barbara Ramirez with production assistance from Sanandita Santanam, Madamita Santanam, and myself, Zan Dixon. We want to give a big shout out to all of our youth producers. We could not do what we do without you. Generation Justice would also like to thank KUNM for bringing the voices of young people to you, KUNM listeners. Our website is generationjustice.org where you can check out all of our multimedia work and listen to our podcasts, which are also available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We're also active on social media. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and follow our playlists on Spotify. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation with additional funding from the Annie E. Casey Foundation, Konama Health Foundation, the NM Department of Health Infectious Disease Bureau, and the Better Together Program, as well as the DOH Office of School and Adolescent Health, the City of Albuquerque, and of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate. Our opening song is Youth of the Nation by P.O.D. Our last song of the night is Them Belly Fool by Bob Marley and the Wailers. I'm Barbara Ramirez. And I'm Zan Dixon. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word, so stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Good night and have a great week. Yeah.